Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is Cats at Night, John Katz and Katie's here, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And, uh, well, we have a great show for you again today. I mean, we're going to tell you what the heck is going on in our city, our, our, our state, our country, and the world. And uh, in the studio with us is uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. How are you, Judge? Nice to be back. Thank you. Good. And uh, former congressman, I, I hate saying former congressman. I, I have say to say former. that. Yeah, congressman, I congressman Peter King. Congressman Peter King. Uh, it's great to be here, and thank you, and thank the judge, and thank your sidekick. It's my sidekick. She keeps kicking. He just wants me to kick you now. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and Lydia Serrani, Lydia? You know who needs a kick? Uh, bite it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have a great show for everyone today. <laughs> you leave today. that to Alphonse Damara. Exactly. <laughs> Climate change, existential threat. Okay. So we're going to have a great show. We're going to have Congressman Andrew Garbarino. We're going to speak with Scott Powell. He has a great book out. The United States is already in World War III. I think I've heard that somewhere else before. Senator Alphonse Damato will also. And Jeanine Pirro. And Judge Jeanine Pirro. But first on the line, we have Charlie Gasparino. He's an economist. He's a writer. All-around great guy, and he loves the gym. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Charlie. I, I, I am not an economist. <laughs> well, what are, you're, what are you? You, you? you know a lot about the economy. I, well, I took a lot of econ in college, and I've been writing about it for 30 years. But, damn, calling me an economist is like calling Peter King uh, a councilman. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Oh, I like that. Okay. Oh, okay. Congressman oh, Tosh. Congressman oh, Tosh. Okay. Have we figured out, Charlie, John Katzmatidis, have we figured hey, yeah. out what the heck is going on? No, I mean, listen, I mean, it, what's so odd about this is that the Fed is going so slow with interest rates, raising interest rates, that the, the market is starting to think it's not going to go through with it. We're going to have two interest rate increases, and then that's going to be it. Um, just look at the way. Um, well, I'm the guy that's is, telling, uh, I'm telling you, I tell Jay Powell every chance I get, don't raise them. Well, I suppose what does you have, he say? Suppose what does you have another say? 9% inflation number. You know, uh, yeah, but crazy. what happens if, the, if, if oil goes down? Remember what I said on uh, my last show? Uh, I said that uh, we have reached peak pricing on oil, and it's headed the other way. I right, suppose it, suppose inflation goes down to seven percent. You still have, you're still two you're still five percent above their two percent target. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I would just like him. Oh, well, they spent trillions of, of dollars. Fast. They spent trillions of dollars to get us over COVID. Can't, you know, before we destroy the rest of the economy, can't we can't we punt a little bit? I don't know, man. It, 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 listen, there's, there's, it's not what you're saying is not absurd. I, I agree with you. And, and by the way, there are tremendous ramifications of raising rates and having rates spike dramatically, including you know servicing the debt, which is not going to be easy. So you also, um, what does that do to the housing industry? Well, that too, and you could see it's starting to slow a little bit. Even I mean, there's mixed headlines coming out. You know, the average medium house. Uh, I saw some some headline in the journal that the medium house median house is up. Uh, it hit some record, but also there's there's all these signs of slowing down. So um, there's a wealth effect on that. When you raise rates, um, people lose money that they that they counted on and that they borrow against. Uh, but you know, the problem is that if you have raging inflation. 
it, it really, it really, it's like a tax increase on poor people and working class people. It's, it's really a devastating thing. And at some point, it also will lead to an economic slowdown anyway, because people eventually cut back. Uh, you know, you just don't go on vacation. You, you don't buy, you don't go out to dinner. It's just too expensive. And that's starting to happen. So there's a lot for him to juggle here. My personal preference would be puke it out and let's move on, you know, <laughs> just like raise it two points and, you know, let the markets adjust and then, you know, and then get rid of it, have a have a fast, steep recession or whatever. Maybe it's not that steep, modest. Charlie, do I we quote, on. quote John Casamitidis, what would happen if they opened up the oil spigots? What would that do to inflation? Well, that would help because that would help with the supply side and you can raise rates and normalize money while you have a supply of oil coming in. <laughs> Uh, it, that would definitely help, but they don't want to do that. And this is not a. This is. I, I don't think you could count on fiscal policy getting rid of inflation right now. And what, what would fiscal policy do to get rid of inflation? Well, theoretically, if you um, cut taxes or, or did some pro-growth measures, uh, Arthur Laffer and Larry Kudlow would explain this better than me. Uh, they and, and cut regulations and maybe drill more for oil by cutting regulations. That would increase the supply side, so there'd be more supply of goods out there. Um, and that would be one way to deal with inflation while you normalize interest rates in the money supply. But they're not doing that. Now, and I last, they will. last Friday, uh, Charlie, uh, in the morning when Biden just got to, to Saudi Arabia and they were talking, the price of oil went as low, almost as low as $89 because they thought maybe – there's going to be a deal. Yeah, that's true. And but that's still above. That's still not. You know, that's not where it was. It's not fifty dollars. No, it went back up to hundred. And John, yeah, no. what would happen if if Biden just made a speech and said, "Listen, we're going to start drilling here. We're going to become energy independent again. I'm going to lift up well, the restrictions." But what would happen? By the way, he's calling for. An environmental, what did he say? Catastrophe. Yeah, I don't know. It's a right. climate emergency. <laughs> he said climate change is an existential threat. He said I mean, it's also presenting down. a clear and present danger. I yeah, saw I mean, that movie. Crude oil, by the way, is above above 100 now. Yeah. But Saudi Arabia is not in our climate, by the way. It's not the same planet. Charlie, Neither is China, Russia. I want, to, I want to direct your attention to this because I saw it in the Wall Street Journal today in an op, op-ed, and it really concerned me. It has to do with the Department of Labor saying that when investor investment managers have to look at pension managers, mutual fund managers, they have to look at the ESG, the yeah. environmental impacts, before they make investment as part of that fiduciary duty. Could right. you comment on that, please? Well, I mean, listen, it's going to run headfirst into opposition from Congress. I can tell you that if the Republicans take Congress, this whole movement of ESG, environmental social governments, making companies essentially adopt an agenda that's political and woke, uh, you know, cut back on all sorts of usage of oil, you know, make sure if you, you know, make sure you have um, not the best uh, people on the board, but a, a diverse board. And there's a whole, there's a whole panoply. That's, of but that's things. Larry Fink's agenda, isn't it? Well, just so you know, I know Larry Fink a little bit better than you guys. He's not the zealot that people suggest. I mean, if you sat down with him and have him explain it, he would say, particularly on the environmental side more than the social government side, he would say, "Listen, we need to make a transition to to these to the to to, to this green energy. We can't do it overnight, or else we'll have massive inflation." I mean, he said that like about 
six months ago, eight months ago. So, you know, he's been he's not as zealot is as much of a zealot as the people in the Biden administration, including uh, the SEC chair, um, uh, Gary Gensler, who's pushing this on companies and obviously uh, people at the Labor Department. I mean, it's it's really a scary thing to I mean, if you think about it, it's it's progressive leftism employing corporate America to do its dirty work. Isn't that kind of like Orwellian? It's kind of it's statism. What it is is statism. It's yeah, the worst it's kind statism, of central planning statism. It's, it's, it's the worst type in the world, right? So this is all going to come under if the Republicans get Congress. This is all going to be you know hashed out, you know, in hearings and things of that nature. And so um, you know, be be prepared. That's this is going to be a huge issue. And what's the latest on the Elon Musk trial? Now, he he didn't want a speedy trial. Twitter did. And it looks like Twitter is getting their wish and they could start as soon as October. What does that mean for Elon? Yeah, you know, he got his rear end handed to him a little bit. You know, he said, listen, I need months and months and months to prove my point that Twitter's cooking the books on the fake account. That's why I'm able to leave. Uh, and, uh, you know, so um, give me I need time for discovery, blah, blah, blah. Judge says you'll get five. You're, we're going to you'll get a you'll get a month, a couple months. And, uh, you know, because he wanted toward to the end of the year, until February. He goes, no, 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 you'll get until October. And it's we're going to do this in five days. So already the disposition of the judges against him, you could tell. Uh, my listen, I don't know him. He's crazy and he's erratic and everything. And and you know he doesn't. You know if you know people that know him, they'll tell you he doesn't really read balance sheets. It's all gut. Um, I you know, but the smart people I know that are involved in the deal, and I know bankers that are involved, they will tell you like any possible any, anything is possible here. Like he could come back and say. Listen, I'll give you – instead of doing the $44 billion deal, I'll give you current price right now. What is it? About $40 a share. I'll give you $28 billion. Um, and they may have to say yes because there's no other buyers of Twitter. You know, Twitter's a horrendous business. Uh, that said, this judge may – you know, Twitter might just say, screw it. Let's, let's roll the dice on this. This judge doesn't like him. He may have to come up with the 55 – the $44 billion. $44 billion. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, I don't think a judge will force him to buy something he really doesn't want. Yeah, can you do that? But well, I mean, I don't think the judge wants to do that. Um, but he may, say, he may say, "Well, if I'm going to buy, if I'm going to pay it, I'm going to buy it now." Yeah. And uh, I mean, who knows? This is going to be a pretty good story. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's it's more dime store novel than legalese, as I said in the post of my column. So let me ask you one thing about this legislation that they're pushing in Congress now for. Uh, Subsidizing the chip industry. Could you talk about that? Sure. I mean, I know a little bit about it because I, I, you know, I've been reporting about Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband's trades, you know, right before it. Like, so he made a pretty good trade on Nvidia stock, which obviously benefits from this. Um, although it looks like um, McConnell did a 180 now again. He's saying, "Oh no, it's off the table." So um, there was some bipartisan consensus on a like on a skinny measure to do the to to get to do, get the chip uh, aspect of it. But you know, Democrats keep throwing other stuff on it, like there'll be environmental stuff on it, and you know, family leave. I mean, who knows what they what they try to attach to these things? And I don't think McConnell's going to go for it. And it, it's this is not a filibuster-proof bill. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not budget re- reconciliation. It's literally a, a sort of corporate welfare for U.S. chip manufacturers, and uh, and I think I, you know the last I read, he's gonna he's he's against it now. Wow, 
How, as didn't they have a show? As the world turns. <laughs> yeah, that's this. That's your show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we, got, we got a minute left. Anything else you know you want to tell the American people? This is crazy. What's going on? I don't know, man. It's you know, as a reporter, it's fun, but as a citizen, it's not. You know what I need? I need a drink. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, Charlie Gasparino, thank you so much for coming on and. Uh, uh, God bless you and you too, John. And we need we need God's blessing this time. Thank we you do. so much, Thank Charlie. You, I'm gonna, Charlie, you. I'm going to run for councilman after what you said. Please don't do that. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. All right, guys. Bye. Take care.